Welcome back to another edition of the OG Livewire on the Goat District podcast. Uh, excited to talk about some of our waiver wire options for this week. Let's get it. You know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing on all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex. Send the homie a text. That trash offers the best. You try to make it complex. Then they text you back. Now, all of a sudden, they don't make any sense. <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. 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 And I always be traded. 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 And I always be trading. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. So yeah, week uh, week six was a wild one. Uh, I'm sure that like like uh, a lot of you listeners, we had some mixed results, and I feel like it was a weird week where the teams where I won games just smashed, put up big big numbers, and then some of my losses were not close. I had a couple of teams where, you know, you might have liked the guys on paper, but when the actual game started, you had some of these duds. And then you also combine that with like some of these random, random guys scoring. There was like some smash weeks by guys who were not on anybody's rosters. Uh, but one guy who was on a lot of my teams, which I was really happy about because we talked about him on this podcast and I wrote about him on Player Profiler, was Dion Jackson. Dion Jackson is like why we grind waivers. This is why you spend hours and hours every single week researching your waiver wire uh, bids putting them in meticulously and grinding when maybe a couple of league mates might take some time off. There were some podcasts that told you Philip Lindsay was the ad. We always preferred Deion Jackson. Deion Jackson was a guy I picked up in tons of leagues. Now I didn't start him in every single league, but the leagues where I did start him, I ended up with 28 points. It was like a huge, huge, huge smashing success. It reminds me a little bit of last year, where we had the Dearness Johnson smash week, uh, where it was like, you know, a hat tip to the waiver wire grinders. Um, there, it just it's nice to see that sort of production off of a guy you added on waivers. I do think Deion Jackson is an interesting guy moving forward because he looked so good. I wonder if he can't pass Naheem Hines at some point in terms of the pecking order when they're both healthy, because to me he looked better than Naheem Hines ever looked. I know Naheem Hines had his one big fantasy season, uh, and you know it's easy to keep that in your memory. He's an athletic guy, but Deion Jackson looked really, really good. He's a young player. He's a second-year running back, and he just had a 28-point uh, smash week. So that was just fantastic. Get to a couple comments. Famous Jay in the chat. Uh, Famous Jay, replaying your stream with a podfather. Really appreciate you tuning in, Famous Jay, and I know Matt took your, your question. It was awesome getting to go on there. Uh, shout out to my man, Josh Durham, 
I sat Dion for Dobbins. I mean, I don't know how you could could have not made that 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 choice. Uh, it would have taken like a, a big leap of faith going with um, Dion over Dobbins. For me, Dion obviously filled in for some Jonathan Taylor teams, and then I was able to add him in just a bunch of leagues. Actually, on the second waiver wire run, the second waiver wire run has kind of been low key, very very productive this year. I think a lot of people kind of take that off. So if anybody listening here doesn't play in an FFPC, an NFFC, an FFWC, you have the first waiver wire run that ends at 10 o'clock on Wednesday evenings that everybody participates in. The the 12th place team in your league is going to bid on somebody. The first place uh, team is going to bid on somebody. The entire 12 teams are going to participate in that. But then there's the second run. And the end time is different for the different leagues. But NFFC is Saturday night, FFWC and FFPC are Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Sunday morning, or I believe NFFC is 10 p.m. Sunday uh, Saturday evening. You get these guys like a Deion Jackson that might have sat there on a waiver wire. Sometimes a Greg Dulcich type might sit there. Guys that are maybe a little bit under the radar that you can grab and you might spend a lot less fab. This the the second waiver wire run is is definitely a great way of getting two weeks ahead, like we talk about on this show. Um, so definitely try to grind waivers twice a week. And the second waiver wire run, you also can spend a considerably less amount of time uh, on. Like the first one, you know, by the time ten o'clock hits on Wednesday evening, you're just exhausted mentally. But the second waiver wire run, you have a couple of days. You're able to see the practice reports. It's, a, it's just a great way of, of playing it, and it's an advantage that you'll have against some of your opponents. Um, in a home league, you know, you have the guys you can just pick up at any time. You you're also want to stay on top of that. But in these high-stakes formats, that second waiver wire run is a great way of playing it. Uh, another shout-out to Famous J. It was all-play week for FFPC, FF, FGC for week six. Um, I did win most of my leagues. Yeah, the all-play is weird. So if anybody's listening from the the high stakes formats, I don't know why they don't make week one the all play. Having bye weeks for the all play is just odd to me. Uh, I'm not sure why they do it at this week, but it's just weird that you would want to factor in an all play week when not every every team is playing, but just my two cents. Um, So anyway, Deion Jackson, we're super, super, super happy about. Uh, Greg Dulcich, we've been begging you to add in the waiver wire column. We've been talking about him on on the Goat District. I've been talking about him on this podcast. Dulcich looked awesome. It was a short sample size. Obviously, you know he the the Denver Broncos offense has issues, but when you saw Dulcich break free on that touchdown, he just moves differently. He looks like a star. He looks like the kind of guy who's going to have a lot of success in the tight end position for years to come. You certainly can look at him and see that he was a former wide receiver. Um, so that was it was just great getting to see him uh, you know, have his success. Kevin Wheeler, shout out, uh, 33rd team. Check out Kevin Wheeler's rankings. The second waiver where I run, I like to pick up players that were dropped on Wednesday and look ahead to the next week. Yeah, def- definitely want to keep grinding on that second waiver wire run. Uh, shout out to Jessel Jones uh, in the chat. We're going to get to your tight end question uh, shortly when we get to tight ends, but let's just get after it. Uh, the quarterback position, there's not a whole lot of guys that meet my threshold for 
availability in our leagues. I'll say Daniel Jones had a productive game this past weekend. He had two touchdown passes. He had another six rushing attempts. Lower your expectations if you're using Daniel Jones. I do think that Wandale Robinson's return and Daniel Bellinger looking like a pretty competent tight end kind of pushes Daniel Jones's needle up a little bit. You also have the chance that Saquon can break off a big reception here or there. But what's appealing about Daniel Jones is his rushing ability. Again, he's a guy that is more of a floor play at the position than a ceiling play. But the Giants are winning. There's some positive buzz there. Uh, he's a guy that if you're really in a, an emergency, go ahead and use Daniel Jones. The better streamer this week would be Marcus Mariota. Mariota was 13 of 14 passing, and he also added 50 yards rushing and a touchdown. And the Falcons beat San Francisco pretty easily. Mariota uh, makes for a nice streamer uh, when you need him. Uh, he He's had a couple of games where he's put up low fantasy totals, but I, I think that the needle's kind of pointing up. The, the Falcons' offense is just kind of punching above its weight class, uh, regardless of the production of Pitts and, and London. They put up another 28 this week against a good defense. So, you know, you might be in bye week hell. This week you have no Jalen Hurts. You have no Josh Allen. you got to look elsewhere. Mariota's one to consider. Check if Jared Goff has been dropped in any of your leagues. Last week during the bye week, somebody might have dropped Jared Goff. Jared Goff, they play the Cowboys this week. It's a difficult defense, but Detroit coming out of a bye, you you got to like their chances of having at least a good game plan. Amon Ross St. Brown will be back. DeAndre Swift's going to be back soon. So, you know, check on Jared Goff as a guy who was dropped. And then Jimmy Garoppolo, you could potentially use him as a streamer against Kansas City. Obviously, that's going to be, you know, pedal to the metal offense in the Kansas City Chiefs. So Jimmy, again, doesn't offer you the rushing upside of a Mariota or a Jones, but he does have a higher passing ceiling with the, than those guys. And I will say George Kittle looked really, really good last week. Brandon Ayuk looked really, really good last week. So the weapons are there for Jimmy. Uh, you just never get really excited about having to use him. But quarterbacks dry. You know, this year it's a lot of these guys we've talked about on the show have already been picked up. You know, Geno's been picked up. Jared Goff, we talked about early on. Uh, I think that the fact that there hasn't been too many massive, massive waiver wire additions has made more people carry two quarterbacks and be a little bit more aggressive with their QB two. So, you know, you might be stuck using one of these guys. 1912, shout out to my man, 1912 in the chat. I, I, I love Dulcich and Wandell too. I'm, I'm really happy that they're, that they flash and each scored this past weekend. It's nice when you kind of hype a guy up and then he, he delivers. Um, talking about the running backs position. We have a weird situation going on in Baltimore J.K. Dobbins' knee tightened up, which is just like it – it's a super weird coach speak to say that somebody's knee tightened up. I mean, people that do athletic things, whether you jog or you run, maybe you lift weights, if you have a sudden tightening of your knee, it's never a good thing, especially a guy with previous injury uh, concern than Dobbins. Now, we're, we're doing it uh, – not not on an NFL football field. So a knee is something you usually want to err towards caution with. And Baltimore uh, severely limited Dobbins' touches this past week. But I wonder if there's something more there and Harbaugh's just like completely BSing everybody. I think that could be a scenario. So we want to take a look at Kenyon Drake. Drake had like a super weird path here where 
we talked about him as an addition after week one. I thought Drake was going to be the guy who was going to have like flex worthy numbers standing next to Lamar Jackson. We talked about him as a guy who could be like Devonta Freeman was last year, you know, an RB three in a good situation. He, it didn't happen weeks one and weeks two. Kenyon Drake didn't do anything. Then he was kind of phased out. You saw justice Hill flash justice. Hill goes down with an injury. J.K. Dobbins knee tightens, and all of a sudden, Kenyon Drake has his best game of the season. He had uh, 10 carries. He had 119 yards and a touchdown. He also had a catch. I would think that he is going to get a lot of attention this week on the waiver wire, even though it might be a short-term answer for people. I think the fact that there's bye weeks and a lot of guys out on these buys, I think people are going to be pretty bullish on Drake. If you want to have an arbitrage play, it would be Justice Hill because I think people have already picked up Gus Edwards. They're going to go hard for Kenyon Drake from your smallest home league to the highest stakes, uh, you know, NFFC, FFWC league. Kenyon Drake's going to have a good amount of fab going in on him. Justice Hill should be back from an injury soon. And let's remember that Justice Hill looked really, really good. And he was ahead of Kenyon Drake. So if you want to pivot off of Drake, Justice Hill would be the pivot. There's a chance he's still out this week. Um, and there's also a chance that this Dobbins knee injury is nothing. And I'm I'm overblowing the situation. But I think that the key takeaway is I want pieces of this Ravens backfield. It's an offense that we believe in. And it's a situation where we've, we've seen multiple running backs have success next to Lamar Jackson. It's a long season left. So I want to take shots on it, whether you're playing Kenyon Drake, whether you're going to add Justice Hill, maybe Gus Edwards is still lingering on your waiver wire, have a little bit of exposure to this Ravens backfield, because now that the injury bug is is out there again with J.K. Dobbins, this is something we don't want to discount. We want to be aggressive ahead of our teammates with this situation. Damian Williams, I bring him up every week. He should be back in two weeks. He's been on the injured reserve. We see how much work the running backs in Atlanta are getting. Tyler Algier and Caleb Huntley both had more than 15, 15 carries or more this past weekend. Now you get Damian Williams potentially back in the mix. Williams was running ahead of everybody week one. It was going to be Williams and Cordero Patterson week one. And Williams was out there for the first third down. So I think Damian Williams has a chance to come back to a nice role he has pass catching ability, and we see that the Falcons are really utilizing the the running backs. You also can get Damian Williams super cheap because I think not a lot of people are on him. Um, and if it doesn't work out, you you don't really need to use much fab. So I think it's kind of a the positives outweigh the negatives with adding Damian Williams to your roster. Another Williams who could be very interesting is Kyron Williams. Kyron Williams is, is a small running back. He's 5'9", 190, played at Notre Dame. He had 77 receptions his last two seasons at Notre Dame. If ever anybody recalls like the Florida State game, he smashed that game. Um, and he had a number of big games for the Irish. He was slow at the combine. He ran like a 4-6, 4-7-40, and it made his draft stock go down. We had some guys on in the GOAT district, um, some very, very respected uh, people that were very high on Kyron Williams before the combine. Kyron Williams was a guy who talked about being a day two pick. Instead, he falls to day three, uh, seemingly behind, you know, Cam Akers and Darrell Henderson in, in Los Angeles. 
Now it looks like Cam Akers is going to be on the way out. The Rams are going to try to trade him. If there's no market to trade him, I could see him getting cut. Kyron Williams is on the injured reserve, but when he comes back, I think Williams could have a real role. He's very good catching the ball out of the backfield. We've seen how bad the offensive line play in Los Angeles is. So I think when when Kyron returns, it could be very interesting, and he's one that should not cost you too much, again, on the waiver wire. We've got to also take a look at a potential trade for Christian Christian McCaffrey. If McCaffrey is traded, and maybe he won't get traded, but we saw that Carolina moved Robbie Anderson this week, so who knows which way they're going. I know that they're listening to trades now, they might have uh, too big of an asking price for for uh, McCaffrey, but if they do move him, we've got to take a look at Deonta Foreman and Chubba Hubbard. I prefer Deonta Foreman. I think it could be a super ugly split, but I've seen more out of Foreman in his career. I know Carolina went out and got Foreman this offseason despite drafting Chubba Hubbard last year. So Foreman would be my pick. I think he can handle more of a workload than Hubbard can. Again, it would be a bad offense, but Foreman to me would be more of a volume play and Chubba Hubbard would be, you know, potentially take away some receptions, but I would rather roster Foreman. So if you want to get ahead of a potential trade, add Deonta Foreman this week, or if you disagree with me, add Chubba Hubbard this week. But I think there is a chance something goes down and you'll save yourself a good amount of fab or waiver priority if you grab one of them this week. Again, the trade deadline is November 11th, so you're not going to have to hold these guys that long. Reminder on Jalen Warren, clear handcuff in Pittsburgh. If he's out there, grab him. I wrote about Josh Kelly before the uh, before the Monday Night Football game happened, where Josh Kelly, to me, looked like the clear handcuff. Now you see Sonny Michelle getting work. I think it's a little bit of a mess in Los Angeles right now uh, in terms of who they would go with if there was any kind of an injury to Austin Eckler, uh, it's super, super ugly. Uh, just getting to a couple of potential injuries. We talked about Eno Benjamin last week. Eno Benjamin played 85-plus percent of snaps last week. It should have been a smash game for him. It was not, but the usage was there. He's a little bit banged up. Keep an eye on it. Hopefully we have a little more information before the Wednesday night waiver wire run. But Keontae Ingram uh, could be a potential emergency start. It's a Thursday night game. Ingram is a big back out of Texas. He happened to play behind Bajon Robinson, who's, you know, we're going to be drafting Robinson like in the second round next year, third round in redraft. He's the truth. So Ingram uh, was another day three pick. He is doesn't have much appeal. Don't go nuts on, on, the, on the fab with him. But there's a chance if Eno is limited with the short week, you could see Ingram um, in a – in a tough situation, but he would get thrown out there, but there's potential he could have double digit uh, carries if Benjamin is, is really uh, slowed down this week. Philip Lindsay, keep an eye on him because Deion Jackson has the hurt quad. We don't know if Naeem Hines is going to be back. Jonathan Taylor should be back, but Philip Lindsay could get a a handful of touches. Uh, That's another, another injury situation to keep an eye on. Moving on to the wide receivers, Wandell Robinson. Wondell Robinson looked really, really good. He only had played 15 snaps. He had four targets. He caught three of them, and he found the end zone. He looks really, really good with the ball in his hands, and he has a clear path to the wide receiver one role in New York. There is not a whole lot of competition for him right now. 
remember that the Giants added him in the second round ahead of George Pickens, ahead of Alec Pierce, ahead of Sky Moore. They were very bullish where they drafted him. I think Wondell Robinson is going to be a thing. Uh, going into the chat real quick, uh, shout out to Griffin Stiegman. Does Curtis Samuel's value increase or decrease with Heineke? That's really hard to say. I would lean towards decrease, um, but he's seen a lot of those low dot looks and the manufactured rushes. So I don't know if you'd want to move him too much. I'm actually somewhat bullish on seeing Heineke and potentially Sam Howell uh, in, you know, with, with Carson, Carson Wentz out. Those guys have some rushing ability. I know last year, Dan Williamson on the goat district uh, was able to use Heineke. Maybe we should have talked about him on the waiver wire show. I just think it's kind of in flux. I wouldn't want to really spend too much fab. Uh, they have a, a difficult matchup this week. I'm not, you know, too bullish on Washington here against that Green Bay defense to begin with. And I don't really know how, how you treat Curtis Samuel. I think if you need to put him in the flex, put him in the flex. Uh, he dropped the deep pass this past week. It was very disappointing. I started him a couple of spots. And if he would have just caught that one, he would have had a, at least a decent line. Um, but that, God, that Chicago-Washington game was horrible. Um, we don't need to really go over that one. So getting back to the wide receivers, Wondell Robinson, if he's still on your waiver wire, be aggressive getting him. He's got a path to uh, a solid target share every week. I think that he is an exciting player. And again, they put a lot into his draft capital. I have a ton of Wondell Robinson in Dynasty. I wish I had a little more Wondell Robinson to redraft. I have some. Um, and I'm excited to see kind of where this thing goes. There's like a lot of good mojo with the New York Giants. I think Brian Dable's a really, really smart offensive mind. And I think that they're going to find a way to kind of max out the situation for Robinson. Again, it's the clear path to the wide receiver one usage for me that kind of pushes him up to the top. But there's another player who was super exciting. Another day two pick was Tyquan Thornton. Thornton exploded this past week. He had a touchdown on the ground. He had a touchdown through the air. He had five targets for four receptions. He played 40 snaps, which I think is super promising. He's obviously behind Jacoby Myers and Devontae Parker, but the fact that he had the manufactured rushing attempts kind of makes me think that the, the Patriots have a plan for him. We see how successful Ramondre Stevenson has been so to have that threat of a wide receiver who can also rip off, uh, you know, these manufactured runs kind of keeps the pressure on the defense. And Thornton is one of the fastest players in the entire NFL. The guy ran a sub 4-3-40 at the Combine. He is a Baylor Bear like our own Dan Williamson. And he was, it was funny because we talked about this on the GOAT District. JD, Andrew, Dan, and I all ended up with a ton of Tyquan Thornton because the Dynasty community was so sour on him despite his high draft capital. The guy gets drafted day two. He's lightning fast. And yet people didn't want to draft him because they had him low in their wide receiver rankings. And the, it, the perception was the Patriots uh, reached for him. So I think the Patriots actually might be looking very smart here because Thornton really looks the part. And I think that people are not going to overspend on him on the waiver wire because I think they have reservations on him being kind of a gadget player. I don't know. I think a player that gets this much work early on in his career, you can't ever overlook that. A guy who took a back seat this week that we're very big fans on as well is Khalil Shakir. 
Shakir was out-snapped by Isaiah McKenzie and out-targeted. He only played 12 snaps this week. But to me, Shakir looks much, much better than Isaiah McKenzie. This is a speculative hold, but we have a bye week. And a lot of times during bye weeks, teams kind of self-scout. And I would not be surprised if Buffalo comes out and gives Shakir a lot more of that McKenzie role. We saw what Shakir could do last week against Pittsburgh. Or excuse me, two weeks ago against Pittsburgh. I mean, he looks good. The guy's a baller, and he deserves more playing time ahead of McKenzie, in my opinion. Robbie Anderson lands in a perfect situation. Robbie's old. The guy's 30, but he has a little bit of juice left. Arizona trades for him when Hollywood Brown gets injured. So Arizona, I think, is going to use him in three wide receiver sets with DeAndre Hopkins and Rondell Moore. Obviously, Robbie Anderson would be the third wide receiver I'd want out of that group, and it's not even close. But we've seen Robbie Anderson as a boom-bust guy that you put when you're in a bind, and you know he can still get behind a defense. He can still get one big touchdown to help you save your week. And I do think he's got a path to playing time. So he goes from like total fantasy dust getting kicked off the field by his head coach because he's arguing with his wide receiver coach to 24 hours later, 36 hours later, getting traded to an Arizona team. He goes from PJ Walker and Baker Mayfield to Kyler Murray. I mean, Robbie Anderson landed pretty well. Arizona's offense has a lot of problems, but they do get DeAndre Hopkins back. They plan a short week this week against New Orleans. I don't expect much from Anderson. Um, and again, I'd have him behind those young guys in terms of who I would rather add. But go for it. If you're really in a bind, Anderson is at least a nice speculative ad. A veteran who I'm interested in is Devontae Parker. He's available in some of my leagues. He had four catches for 64 yards on six targets, and he played 55, 55 total snaps. So he was on the field uh, pretty much the whole game. I think the New England offense is getting better. I know Bailey Zappi was out there, but the addition of Thornton, Hunter Henry coming back and looking strong. Uh, Devontae Parker is a basically you know a, a, a emergency bye week fill-in, but we can't be too picky during some of these bye weeks. And you know him getting uh, four catches for sixty-four yards with the potential of finding the end zone. You know, you might have to cram him in a lineup. It wouldn't be great, but there's worse options out there than Devontae Parker. We have seen him have one really big game this season, so we know he has that in him. And the usage was very promising this past week. Six targets is about right. If he can maintain that, I think he'll be useful a useful guy for, for us to have on our benches. Uh, pretty much no other wide receivers for us to talk about at this point. Terrace Marshall is one I included in the waiver wire column. It's a very speculative addition. Uh, this is DJ Moore could get traded. You already have Robbie Anderson traded. Terrace Marshall was, was a day two pick from LSU. He had success in college uh, next to the likes of Justin Jefferson and Jabbar Chase. He's a very pedigreed guy. We were very excited about him in the GOAT district before he uh, was, excuse me, after he was drafted. And even in, in preseason of his rookie year, he flashed. But it just hasn't happened at all. He looks like a huge bust. But the usage is ticking up. And I think that there's a chance, a very small chance, that he could be somebody we want on our benches at some point this season. And you can get him for pretty much free. Uh, one other wide receiver is Van Jefferson. He's going to be back soon for, for the Rams. Uh, he was wide receiver 36 on the year last season. 
Uh, we know that the the familiarity he has with Matt Stafford and the Rams certainly need help. Uh, although they did get a win this past week and Allen Robinson had an okay game. Uh, and they actually spread the ball a little bit more this week. So I don't know if it's just the fact that Carolina was so bad or maybe they showed some signs of improvement. The tight end position is interesting this week. Dulcich. Dulcich would be my favorite ad. He's looks the part. We've talked a lot about him on the show. I uh, I'm a Greg Dulcich stan at this point. Oh, shout out to 1912. Odell Beckham. We talked about Odell Beckham last week on the show. He makes for a nice stash as well. It's speculative. Um, and I think that there's a chance that Odell lands well, and there's a chance that he, he doesn't sign with anybody. I think there's lots of scenarios here. He was attached to the Giants. He's been attached to the Rams, Green Bay. There's there's a few teams that you've heard these rumors with. So Odell makes for a nice uh, a nice stash. Uh, shout out to Jessel Jones, Rondell Moore ahead of uh, Jahan Dotson. Yeah, I agree on that one. Uh, that's a good call, Jessel. Shout out to Todd Schoenfield. Need three of these four. Henry, Barkley, Pierce, or Jacobs. Wow, that's an impressive uh, roster, Todd. Um, that's a very difficult one. I think that you can't really go wrong there. To me, they're all top 15 running back plays right now, and there's a chance that all four of them are running back ones. So I would say that the the market for Derrick Henry would be very, very high. Uh, Josh Jacobs, I'm not sure if he can keep up this sort of volume. That's a tough one. I think you've got to go with your gut on this one because I have all four as top 15 running backs. Maybe Wheeler in the chat could, should share his uh, rest of season rankings on those four. Uh, Todd Schoenfeld, shout out on Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell had a really good game this past week. He still plays a lot more snaps than Alec Pierce. I don't know if this will this will hold up. The Colts had a ton of pass attempts this week, so I think it was it was a weird, weird uh, week. They they passed the ball a ton. We saw Deion Jackson get all of his catches. We saw Paris Campbell have a big game. And we saw Alec Pierce catch a touchdown at the end, and, and Michael Pittman smashed. I don't know if we can expect that much, although Indy does have Indy does have a nice matchup this week. So I'm just not I'm just not a big, big Paris Campbell guy at this point. Um, I'm more on Pierce, but Campbell will play more snaps than him. Um, shout out to 1912. Is Heinz a drop if I could grab one of the Ravens Ravens guys? I think I would do that. I think if I could get Kenyon Drake, um, I would consider dropping Heinz. We don't know. We don't know uh, that. We don't know the situation of Hines when he's going to be back. And shout out to Michael Melberg. There are certain leagues where you can. Most leagues you can't, but there's certain leagues where you can. So it's not a you know that's not a not that's not a hanging offense. Um, right now, I think we're caught up on the in the chat. This is really nice to see so many people tuning in. Uh, let's talk a little Daniel Bellinger. Bellinger saw his highest snap uh, percentage of the entire season. He was second on the Giants in targets with five targets. This is back-to-back -back weeks where he's found the end zone. I certainly like him a lot less than Greg Dulcich, but in tight end premium, Bellinger should be rostered. And he's an interesting player because I think he's going to be on the field a ton. And I think his trajectory is pointing up. I don't think he has tight end one potential but I think you can treat him as a, a low-end tight end too. And depending on your needs and tight end premium, he might be a useful guy to have. 
One guy who is very interesting, at least short term, is Cade Otten. We've already seen him have a six-catch game this year. In week five, he had a six-catch performance. Uh, had a very nice uh, game. I actually used him in a couple leagues as an emergency guy that week, um, and he came through. Now Cameron Brait suffered what looks to be kind of a scary head injury. Uh, I would expect Cameron Brait's going to miss this week. How long he misses is still up in the air, but Cade Otten can be used. I would have him ahead of Bellinger this week in terms of the weekly rankings for tight ends. And then the last tight end to talk about is Mike Giusecki. This is an interesting one. We've seen Giuseppe have multiple tight end one performances in his career. And this past week, he had six catches for 69 yards and two touchdowns. He played 50 snaps uh, and he saw seven targets. So on paper, it looks like a guy we want to add. Uh, Smythe was out for Miami. So Smythe, I think, will be back. And I would imagine that would cut into any potential Giuseppe usage, but Mike McDaniel is a really smart coach, and when you see a guy have fantasy success, I wonder if he won't try to use him a little more and kind of ride the hot hand. We also should see the return of Tua, where Tua's had success with Jaseki, uh, but again, it was not Tua this past week. So Jaseki's an interesting one, but he is on a lot of waiver wires. He is a guy that we have had fantasy success in the past, and he's a guy we've been bullish on at times. He's kind of been left for dead, and this seems like it's an outlier type game, but we don't want to ignore this kind of production. Uh, shout out to JD in the chat. Smash the like for Theo. Appreciate that. Um, we're going to be back tonight, JD, Dan, and myself with one of our favorites, Josh Larkey of the 33rd team. Uh, shout out to the Blue Crew. Uh, 0.5 PPR. I need one at the flex. Bateman, Pollard, Eno, Brian Robinson, Alec Pierce, or Judy. Hmm. That's an interesting one. If if uh, James Conner is out and Eno can go, I'm rolling Eno again because Eno had the the usage we want to see. He had elite usage, uh, and again, it didn't didn't uh, you know he didn't have any fantasy production to show for it. But if Conner is out, I'll roll with Eno again based on the usage. Uh, but I'll hold my breath the entire time. Shout out to Wheeler, smash the like people. Uh, and shout out to Wheeler for, for Larky coming on. Yeah, anybody who has, hasn't listened to Josh Larky when he's on the Go District, Josh brings the heat on every single podcast he's on. It's always a great listen. He's a very, very sharp guy, a very analytical mind, and we're, we're happy to have him back on. It's been a while. Uh, we had him on this summer, and uh, there's just a ton to talk about. So good luck this week. Got a lot of teams on buys. Uh, we got to keep grinding through it, keep hitting that waiver wire, and uh, thanks for tuning in.